0: Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. All right. uh, It's always a blessing to be able to share. We we have the opportunity, particularly this week, because the Bradley clan has taken some well-deserved time to... Go have a great family vacation. They've been in Eagle Crest for the week. And it's always instructive to me. I always love this opportunity. When most of the Bradleys are away somewhere, you kind of see where there's gaps. And it really, to me, it it always speaks to me of how integral they are into this church and how much they serve and sacrifice all the time. So next time you see him... Give them a hug, shake their hands, say, hey, thank you, guys. We love you so much. Your service is amazing. Anyway, that's that's my encouragement. And we just pray traveling safety upon all those who are coming back today. Keep them safe. Let them be refreshed when they get home. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I have really enjoyed the series that Pastor Steve has been speaking the past few weeks. Anybody know what it was called, the title of the series? What is it? Rising... Above our adversity, rising above our adversity, which is which is important, right? It's it's a uh, if we just were smacked down and stayed down and couldn't get up all the time when when the things of life happened, it would be pretty miserable. I wanted to. Pastor Steve wrapped his part of that series up last week, but I wanted to follow up with just kind of a little addendum to it if you will. And I want to talk about King David as kind of an example of somebody who faced adversity and some of the lessons that we can draw from David's life as he as his approach to adversity. So what was David known as? Does anybody know what David was known as in the Bible? A man after God's own heart. So I hear that and it makes me like want to pick up and take notice. If somebody is a, is a man after God's own heart, that's pretty impressive that God would say that of him in the Bible. And it's pretty cool. And then so if you read through David's life in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, I would highly encourage you to read through that if you haven't. You kind of get to see his whole life as a narrative and the different things that, that he went through. Well, let's go ahead and review that a bit. It's full of his struggles and his victories. He, he went through, through both. So the first segment of his life, we'll talk about David, the youth. So first of all, he was the kid brother of a bunch of brothers, the youngest of the bunch. And he, is anybody like the youngest of, of a bunch of uh, siblings? Yeah? Is, did you ever face any adversity from your older siblings? I think that's a fairly common thing. And, and so he was that. He was also the shepherd boy, right? And, and he was sent out to take care of the sheep. His brothers went off to war to go fight against the Philistines, all that. You know, he's kind of that youngest one. Has got to, uh, nobody's, you know, nobody's going to really care what the little guy does. But then as far as that went, he had a tremendous faith In God, even as a as a young boy, we see that it's referenced that he faced down the bear and the lion when he was a shepherd. Just a young teenage guy with a sling and and maybe a staff, and he chased them off when they came after his flock. Now, he withstood that adversity. He he gives praise to God for that because he declares that God is his strength in that. And then you see in 1 Samuel. Chapter 17, the story of him facing Goliath. Now, here's, I, I wanted to throw these, these couple groaner dad jokes in here on Goliath, okay? Why was Goliath so surprised when David hit him with a slingshot? The thought had never entered his head before. If Goliath came back today, would you tell him the joke about David and Goliath? Nah, he already fell for it once. <laughs> little, little humor there. But yeah, so David faced Goliath, right? And it's a tremendous example of this adversity. And, and this man is just declaring that God's people have nothing to hope in and that they're just lost and there's gonna be, he's just going to slaughter them. And, and the, the, the people of God were afraid and for weeks they didn't do anything about it. But David shows up and says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he would challenge God Almighty? Nobody's going to stand up? I could do this. So that's that's pretty impressive. Then you see that that David came in under service to Saul. And while he was in service to Saul, at first he uh, served as a musician in Saul's court in that David had the Spirit of God, and he was, he was a musician, even from a young age. And when he would play, God's Spirit would come over Saul and calm him. Saul had a troubled spirit because of his rebelliousness, but David, as he served, would, would be able to bring that peace. But I tell you, that probably wasn't an easy service to be able to provide for the king. And then as David, David, when he was serving with Saul... He rose through the ranks, and he became one of the commanders of the army due to his skill and ability and reliance on the Lord. But then Saul became jealous in 1 Samuel 18. You see Saul's jealousy. He would get stirred up and think, David's going to cause me problems. David's going to rebel. David's going to be an issue. I need to deal with it. So does anybody know how Saul tried to deal with David. Tried to pin him against the wall with a spear one time, a couple times I think, and he was always like, "Ah, oh, we gotta, we gotta take him out." And then David talking down, "No, Lord, I just serve you. I'm not. Don't worry, King. I've got nothing for nothing against you." But Saul was always stirred up against that. So David faced Saul's jealousy. He dodged assassination attempts, and then he fled into the wilderness. He had to flee because it was no longer safe for him. To serve the king, it was no longer safe for him to be there. So, he in the wilderness he lived hand to mouth, living in caves, living out in the desert. Now, the wilderness is a King James term; it's a biblical term, but really, it, we're talking about the Israeli desert. The Negev is is most commonly referred. It's a rocky, hilly, like Eastern Washington dry mountains kind of thing, right? And that's where David was. And as he was in the wilderness, King Saul would send out raiding parties or parties searching for him of soldiers looking to catch him and kill him. And there were times when David saw the army coming one way, he went around the mountain this way as they were going around the other. And other times when he'd hide in a cave and Saul would come into a cave and he could just take care of it right there. David never raised a hand. There's a whole other lesson in that that uh, we really can't get into this morning. Very good. First and Second Samuel, read them. David has so many great lessons in, in the life of David. Then following this time in the wilderness, he's being chased to and from. The dregs of society come to David, the outcasts, the misfits, the rebels, and he ends up with a band of kind of scruffians, if you want to, ruffians and scruffy guys, who became kind of like his, his warriors, and he ends up having to actually take refuge with the enemy of God's people, the Philistines. David leaves Israel and goes into the Philistine territory just so that he won't be killed by the king. And I believe that's probably one of his lowest points when he has to go, I'm with the enemy of God's people, and this is, this is it. How did David deal with those things? Further on, as David becomes king, he established his capital in Jerusalem and brought the Ark of the Covenant to a tabernacle he set up there. Now, that's pretty pretty neat, and one of the things that you can see in his life there is how much he loved being in God's presence, how much he just gloried in being near God. David's tabernacle is known as one of the rare instances where it was so easy to get close to God's presence in the Old Testament. And many of the Psalms of praise from David are kind of from this period when he was serving God. He's He's got a kingdom established. But then the next thing you see going on in 2 Samuel 11 Is this whole struggle with the incident with Bathsheba. And a man after God's own heart can stumble. A man after God's own heart can go through things. First of all, he ended up in a position where he was in desire and temptation. That led to murder as he had Bathsheba's husband killed. Then adultery with Bathsheba. Then the prophet Nathan comes and convicts him. And that conviction, David was he was king, but he was also a man that had a heart that could be moved, a soft heart, and that really, really hammered him. And there's some psalms from, from that period where David's just crying out of his repentance and his anguish over his sin. And then through that, though, the child that he and Bathsheba had together Nonetheless perished. The child died. This has gotta be again a huge low point for David, where adversity and life has just pounded him. Further on, toward the end of his reign, one of his sons rose up in rebellion against him, Absalom, 2 Samuel chapter 15, rises up to take the throne by himself. David has to flee. He's got a small retinue of people who are going with him. And Absalom has got an army going to come after him and try to kill him. And you can see David's cry out there too. There's a number of Psalms that, that he's just, oh God, what am I to do when they're coming against me? And one of the other things about David's life is as he was a man for God's own heart, one of his deepest desires was to be able to build a temple for God, a temple for the Lord's presence, a temple, a place to worship the Lord. And that assignment was denied him. He, was, he said, I'm a man with blood on my hands. God basically said, no, you're not going to do this. You've done your purpose. You've, done, you know, you've served me well, but this is not for you. This is going to be your son. And he has to pass on this project to Solomon. So in his later years, he was, he was deliberately pulling in stores, pulling in rocks, pulling in treasure, pulling in timber to be able to build this temple. But he knew that it wasn't for him. And I think that's probably also one of the things that was an overall disappointment for David. So even though he was king, and even though he served God, and he had some great triumphs, he still struggled. He still had these low points in his life. He still had adversity. And that's, I think that there's so much we can draw from that. And one of the things that I love about David and about his life as we see it is, as you read through the narratives in First and Second Samuel, you get really the story. But then, if you want to know what he's thinking, read Psalms. And Psalms is so chock full. Now, not every Psalm is a Psalm written by David, but he wrote a lot of them. And Psalms are so chock full of praise to God They're so chock full of recognizing how glorious he is. But at the same time, they're full of real emotion. And there are psalms where David laments. He cries out and says, oh, God, I I can't make it. Eighteen times he says, I'm in a pit. And he cries out to be rescued. He was not afraid of expressing his feelings to God. You know that. When God created us, he created us three ways. Body, soul, and spirit, right? Now, the soul also has three parts. Does anybody know what the three parts are of the soul? Mind, will, and emotions. Mind, the conscious thoughts, the, the stuff that goes on up here in my thought, thoughts. My will is kind of my decider, the things that does things. Is, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm getting up. I'm getting out of bed this morning. That will that ah, I just like to sleep ah, and my emotions like I'm happy right now. I'm so sad, uh, happy sad. You know some some of us we may have uh, we may have higher or lower emotional emotionality. Funny funny story. Cindy and I went through a prophetic ministry at one time, and the prophets are speaking to to Sydney and myself and. They have some things to say and say, you know, you need to not be so up and down. And then they point to me, you need to be like a little more like him. He's like a dry stick. He's Nothing ever moves him. <laughs> dry stick. So, yeah, I, I'm not as maybe emotionally up and down as, as some people might be. Although I do, I am emotional. I do have some up times and down times. But some people are just more prone that way. Amen dry stick (laughs) you need to learn from each other you need to get more you need to be more like her too that's good it's a good encouragement listen to some of of david's laments here i've got a few of them uh, up on the screen psalm 69 verses 1 through 2 save me O lord for the waters have come up to my neck I sink in the miry depths where there's no foothold. I have come into deep waters. The floods engulf me. I thought about that when Cindy shared about Peter sinking, going, oh, Jesus. That's, that's the cry right there. In Psalm verse 6, I am worn out from my groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping. And I drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. And they fail because of all my foes. I don't know if you've ever been there where you've cried so much. You can't anymore because your tears are dry. David was there. Psalm 55. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. And I can't stop shaking. Physically, in his body, he felt these things. And Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Times when he felt like, where the heck is God? Not even here, not even hearing me. What's going on? Now when I read these things in Psalms sometimes I'm like, "Whoa, can can you say that stuff to God? Is it okay?" Well, here's the cool thing, right? When God created us, mind will and emotions, he was not surprised. He's not shocked that we are emotional creatures, that we go through things like that. And I love that honesty that you get from David that you get in that ability to express your heart to God. And that's one thing I can pull from David's life that I can express. And and it's okay to tell God where I'm at. It's okay to tell him how I'm feeling. Now, David's approach, kind of four things that you kind of see in the Psalms, and maybe you could find more or less, but here's just kind of a, a way that you can kind of see as he goes through things, how he does things. First, he cries out to God, and he pours out his heart expressively. He speaks to his soul. Now, this is, this is kind of interesting. We don't often do that. And speaking to ourselves is, can, be, can be pretty helpful. Now, in Psalm 42, verse 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall praise him when the help of my countenance and my God. He's telling himself, listen, why are you so bummed out? Okay, so stuff's going wrong all around. God's still there, hoping him. That's good. And then declare the goodness of God. And then he, you, if you look at almost every psalm, even when there's a lament or there's something else, he's always wrapping it up with praise. He's always, but God is my rock. He is my fortress. I will trust in him. God delivered my people. God delivered Israel. He's going to do it for me too. God is good. He's a good God all the time. He's declaring the goodness of God. Now, we can learn from that. I also want to mention, kind of in this, in this context, I was, I want to reiterate what Pastor Steve said last week as he kind of wrapped up. Just three little points, three little lessons that are so profound and great tactics on how to deal with adversity. First of all, prayer, reset our focus. Take it off, take our focus off of the stuff that's going on, off of the way I feel right now, and turn my thoughts to God. Lord, let me bring this to you. Prayers. First, first step. Resets the focus, takes it off of that. Praise and worship. Just putting on some worship music. Is getting God's presence, letting that stuff go. It can change the atmosphere. It will change the atmosphere and what you're going through. And then the other was remember who you are in Christ. And in that, it's, you know what? I'm a son of the king. I am someone who Jesus shed his blood for. If I was the only person on earth, Jesus would have still gone to the cross for me. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you start to remember who you are in Christ, and there's some powerful things here. Now, one of the things that I kind of want to talk about a little bit here too in kind of a more where the rubber meets the road is dealing with depression. And if David was so down that he had those laments like, God, where are you? I'm drowning It's hopeless. I have cried my tears out. I am shaking because I am so overwhelmed with what's going on. The Bible doesn't use the word depression, but you can see that there were people who were there in in what we commonly term as depression. And I'm not going to say I've got all the answers for depression, but here's some things we can learn from what the word says. I'm going to take Psalm 42 as an approach how to deal with depression. Then I've got a couple other points after that. The first thing to do is to get some quiet. Get some quiet. Get in a quiet space. Get some quiet time. Basically get out of the turmoil. Get out of whatever is going on. Psalm 42, verse 5. This is verse 4. These things I remembered as I poured out my soul. How we used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one and shouts of joy. It's a chance to just take yourself out of the moment, take yourself out of the moment of being down in the dump, saying, okay, I need to quiet down and take some time to be with God. Somewhere you can be with God. Get some quiet. Second is admit you are downcast. We don't need to pretend to be perfect and stoic. Verse six in in Psalm 42, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. My soul is downcast. God, I'm feeling it. God, I I don't know what's going on right now, but this is rough. I feel I feel lost. I'm drowning. My tears are gone. Be able to to call out. Third point is inquire the reason. Sometimes there's an obvious reason for the depression that we're going through. Verse 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Verse 11, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? What's going on in here? What's going on? What's causing it? Sometimes it may be directly obvious. I'm doing a a brief kind of uh, segment into some of the reasons for depression. There are five possible reasons that we'll talk about. There's others too, but these are kind of some of the main ones. First, temperaments, and that's kind of that thing. Some people may have higher highs and lower lows. Some people may that be that dry stick. But some people are just more melancholy. And some people, they're great, but then they're down. They're having, they're having a good time. They're down. That may be it. And if you are somebody like that, you may need to learn how to deal with with the lows and put those in your toolkit in a in a more profound manner health if you're worn out or stressed or sick or ill or injured any of that can cause you to feel feel down and blue that's not surprising and God's not surprised so take care of yourself if you can if you're stressed out worn out get a break get some rest if you're, you know, if you're ill, you're, your foot's broke, it's going to take some time to heal. And you're depressed because you can't walk around. Well, remember, God's going God's to get you through this. Circumstances, if you've been suffering, uh, experiencing persecution, or maybe it's bereavement. Maybe there's grief. Maybe it's a disappointment. These things can happen. These things can cause, can cause us to get down. So maybe it's just something in the circumstances going on around you. Or maybe it's a reaction. Now, this is interesting. This is an interesting statement. I, I took this from somebody else's message. Depression often follows after a long session of work, after studying for an exam, after a wonderful holiday, or having a very made a very important decision. That's sometimes like that. that crash after the high. It's like, why am I so down? I just had a great time yesterday. What's going on? Well, that can be kind of that reactionary part and then maybe you need to address that let's just let's work on this and then of course another reason for depression can be sin or disobedience david was so crushed in that moment when nathan came and brought the conviction to him and if you look at jonah jonah Chapter 2, verse 5, Jonah's like, uh, ah, I'm going to serve God with His prophet. Wait, God wants me to do that? <laughs> no. And disobedience put him in a place where he, was, he got to his lowest low. <laughs> Belly of a fish. Seaweed stuff right there. All right. So coming back to Psalm 42, the fourth point on the approach to depression. Pour out your heart to God. Feel free. To be descriptive, God is not afraid of our emotions, nor is He surprised of them. Feel free. God, this stinks. This is horrible. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of here. That's okay. Pour out your heart to God. Verse five, let me. Why are you so downcast, my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? The fifth point is recall who God is, and put your trust in him. Recall the good things he's done in your life. Exercise your faith to put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. He is my Savior. That's amazing. By day, this is verse 8, the Lord directs his love at night. His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will praise him, my Savior and God, from verse 5. When we put our trust in God, we are declaring that he is, we're remembering who he is. Wait, God was good to me. I remember when. You know, it's not always going to be like this. I remember I've gone through this before. I've come out on the other side. It's recalling that. And then the final point from, from Psalm 42 is to affirm your faith in God. Now, this point is a lot of what, like Pastor Steve said, is declaring who you are in Christ. It's declaring, and faith in the affirmation is brought into greatest effect when we speak it out loud. When we state it with our voice, there is a supernatural dynamic to speaking. What's the first thing? that God did in Genesis. He spoke, let there be light. Our words have a creative power. And when we affirm our faith in God, God, you are still good. God, I don't care what's going on. You've delivered me in the past. You've delivered my mom. You've delivered my friends. You're my king. You are on the throne. No matter what's going on, when we start saying those things, I am your child. You've given it all to me. I have all riches in Christ. I will prosper. We start affirming our faith in God. You are my solid rock. You are the refuge to whom I can go to. You are my stronghold. You are my strong tower. You are a shield for me. You're the lifter of my head. You gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You start to have some dynamic supernatural start affecting your natural down-in-the-dumps moment. Affirm your faith in God. State it out loud. Speaking it is making it official. It is what solidifies the supernatural. All right, I'm going to wrap up with a couple more tips for depression these are these are good they basically come from uh, one of the christian counseling textbook and there's six tips here for dealing with depression first of all realize that you can't base your life on emotions we walk by faith and not by sight it doesn't really matter in the supernatural what i'm feeling in the natural My emotions may say, ah, it's horrible, I'm sad, I'm down, it's everything. But that doesn't really matter because what really matters is that God is on the throne. Jesus saved me. We're going to get through this. Realize that you can't live your life based on emotions. Base your life on truth. Philippians says to rejoice, whether we like it or not. Rejoice, the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Whoa. James, consider it all joy when you fall into these various trials. Wait a minute. When we go in through adversity, we're supposed to consider it joy? James says there's a powerful dynamic in there. Here's here's an interesting thing. Command your soul. We talked a little bit about this when David said, you know, O my soul, why are you downcast? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your your emotions, like we said. But in the verse, David addresses his soul and he's telling us what to do. He's telling his soul to bless the Lord. And here's why commanding your soul works. Your soul is not you. Your soul is a thing you have. Your soul is a thing you have. You is your spirit. And you as your spirit can say, soul, straighten up. Soul, Don't be downcast. Soul, you're going to get through this. And you can bring it to snap to attention. Your soul is merely something you have. It's something God created me with. But who I am is determined by my spirit. All right, the second tip is faith. Choosing to trust in truth rather than your feelings may require a lot of faith and If that is what we mean by asking if faith can solve depression, then faith may be enough in some cases. Trusting what God says rather than your feelings is a better approach to life. Faith. So we've got realize you can't base your life on your emotions and faith. Heed God's advice. Follow biblical principles. So sometimes we bring stuff on ourselves by how how we behave. Or the things we do. If you're hungover, maybe hard to be cheerful, right? Maybe that's not the place to be. Maybe it's not the place to be hungover. Maybe if you look at God's word, it talks about not getting drunk with wine. There's some biblical things that are just there. If you if you follow God's advice, sometimes people who claim to to have faith keep plunging through life, ignoring God's principles for healthy living you spurn the good advice the Bible contains, you sometimes won't escape the consequences. So heed God's advice. Live a good life. Now, another tip for dealing with depression. Sometimes depression can be caused by chemical imbalances. Now, this is something that we we understand that brain chemistry can cause you to be down. And sometimes prayer and focus and declare, declaration can fix that sometimes it may not god has has given wisdom through medicine to be able to address those things and that may be a viable alternative especially if there's just you're in something you just can't get out of no matter what it just drags on and on and on it may be time to go see a medical professional and see see if they've got a way to help god can use that too another thing depression can often come from unresolved issues or root causes. And in this case, talking about like spiritual strongholds or things from your past, maybe past hurts or woundings, can cause you to feel crippled in life, crippled in your heart, crippled in your emotions. God wants to heal those things. God wants to heal those things. And it's a whole... Huge topic in and of itself on all those things. And we can sometimes give the enemy a stronghold in our life through sin or disobedience or sometimes unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. That can be one of the most shackling, one of the most binding things that can hamper our life. So sometimes to be able to get through it and get over it we need to deal with some of those things. Yeah. Dealing with unresolved issues or root causes. Lastly, never be afraid to reach out. Never be afraid to reach out. Two are stronger than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you're going through it and you're really struggling, hey, I'm struggling. I I can't see. Anything good going on right now? Let your brother or your sister come alongside you and say, you know what? Let me be your faith for a while. Let me help carry you along. God is still on the throne. I know it looks bleak and horrible right now, but God's going to get you through this storm. I know it feels like you're sinking, but God's going to help pull you up. Never be afraid to reach out. Never be afraid to reach out to your brothers and sisters. Never be afraid to talk to somebody. Hallelujah. The worship team would like to come. I felt like... David's life and Psalms were so good because it really brings down to us that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to always perform at this high level. That we always have to be cheerful and paint on the plastic smiley face. And we can be real with God. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. I mean... Like, it kind of makes sense. I mean, why would God have given us emotions if we can't, you know, live with them? But we also need to learn how to deal with them, amen? So I hope that some of these may have given you some insight and maybe some tips for some point. Maybe you're doing great right now. And I like doing great. But other times, I may face a trial and I may face something And these things can make a difference, I know, for me. So as we close, I want to sing this song again. If you just want to take some time and come up to the altar while we're we're doing this song, you want to cry out to God, let Him know how you feel. You're welcome to do that. God is good, amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast.